Raptors win it, and they've now won five in a row. Four and zero oh on the road. They are six and three. And when you heard that Pascal Siakam wasn't going to be able to start the season, and you've won six of your first nine games, Matty D, where do you sign up? Yeah. When the Raptors scored just 83 points in an opening night loss to the Washington Wizards on their return to Toronto after some 18 months, there was only one thought going through many fans' minds. This is going to be a long season. No one particularly played well, perhaps epitomised by rookie and number four draft pick Scotty Barnes scoring 12 points and uh, OG Ananobi at small forward being the highest rebounder. How apt perhaps was it then that on Wednesday night the Raptors rounded off their ongoing five-game winning streak against the same opposition, away this time with an extremely comfortable win. And as Van Vliet dropped 33, and others of course contributed marvellously, Precious with 10 rebounds, uh, amongst other contributions likes of Svi Mikhailuk, you sort of get the sense that the Raptors are ahead of where they're meant to be at the moment. This is Balling in the Six, your first roundup of games. We decided to wait a little bit for 9-10 games to go because, of course, had we done it as planned after four games, this would have been much, much more downbeat. So after the humdrum of that opening night in Toronto, a trip to TD Garden for what is a traditionally feisty and fiery game against the Boston Celtics. This was perhaps known, and I believe will be known in the future, as Scotty Barnes's breakout game. 25 points on 11 of 17 shooting to go with 13 rebounds and a couple of assists as he led the Raptors to a complete blowout of Boston in this game. Now, let's temper this a little. Boston, right now, at the time of recording, just 4-5 and five record. They've shown wonderful nights, like a brilliant defensive performance against the rocking Miami Heat but then they show nights like these so you know they're a team which is blows very hot and cold perhaps the definition of that term but you know it wasn't a fluke for Scotty the Raptors lost the next two games home stand in which they hosted the Dallas Mavericks and the Chicago Bulls but Scotty still delivered 17 points and 13 points respectively I mean a bit more about the game's Mavs, again, a team which are, like the Celtics, underwhelming this season, but still have the likes of Luka Doncic in their roster. And, you know, he he showed up, especially in the third and fourth quarter, uh, along with Tim Hardaway Jr., who went seven for 11 from three. And it just wasn't enough for the Raptors. There's a sort of ongoing theme here that if the opposition scores, you know, over 105 or in this case even over 100 the Raptors are gonna find it difficult to come up with that play I mean it will improve of course once Siakam returns but this is very much let's not compare it to Detroit in 04 but it's very much a team whose results are gonna be built on defense so this was a 103-95 loss next day we see a similar thing 
Again, not a terrible performance against the Chicago Bulls. The return of DeRozan. And let me tell you, the Bulls absolutely flying right now. I mean, a phenomenal 6-2, and two, pretty much leading the Eastern Conference. And DeRozan had a nice return. Uh, 26 points for him. And um, as we call it, DeBolzak, um, dropping um, 63 points altogether. So there's not much that can stop that three-headed beast. And again... As we were saying, not much to complain about on the Raptors' side. Van Vliet had been criticised in the past three games for not really fulfilling that facilitator role he needs to now, now that he's moved back to more being a more traditional point guard. Well, really the only one in the squad, uh, traditional one if you think about Malachi Flynn, who hasn't played many minutes, but we'll come on to that later. Um, 17 assists in this game. Much, much more sensible. None of this sort of driving to the rim against massive opponents and sort of just getting swatted or or drawing contact. He just dimed in this game and really helped cap keep the Raptors in it. But despite a twenty winning 28-19 in the last quarter, it proved once again to be a bit of a fake comeback. But that was the last disappointment the Raptors were going to have for a long, long time. For they opened... They ended their homestand with a couple of wins against Indiana and Orlando. As expected, another win away in Indiana this time. Another slightly tighter one, which is again 97-94, built on great, great defense. Um, And then they finished it off, perhaps the two most impressive wins of the season, at New York, where of course, used to be a bit of a gimme, but... In this Eastern Conference this year, with these strong sides, there's no such thing. And of course, as we said, Washington. Conceding just 104 and 100 points in these two games respectively. Built on defence and special performances from the known suspects. Now going forward this season, there are several main key themes we need to identify with the Raptors. Number one, the leaders. With Kyle Lowry going to the Miami Heat, someone or a little group would have had to step up into that power vacuum. Naturally, it fell to two of the players who played a very significant role in the 2019 championship roster. Of course, OG was more off the court in that time, but certainly Fred Van Vliet, especially as he literally took Larry's position uh, as point guard instead of shooting guard, as we mentioned. But they both struggled early on. You know, as we sort of said, Van Vliet was getting into his old habits, not really improving. You know, when his game was off, he didn't really know what to do. He kept, just kept driving, just kept chucking up, uh, you know, Hail Marys. And even again, even in that win against Boston, it wasn't great. It was that loss against Chicago, which we mentioned, in which he decided, OK, I think we're going to change the role. 15 points and 17 assists to go with 10 six rebounds. And his rebounding has actually been pretty phenomenal. I mean, a 5'11 point guard um, getting 10 rebounds against the Pacers, 9 against the Knicks, and um, mainly going for, you know, at least 5 a game is, you know, pretty much unheard of. And that's credit to the Raptors' big men boxing out. Uh, it's, but he struggled early on, but he changed his role then. When he's on form... You know this boy can score, right? I mean, against the Pacers in the first win at home, 6 for 7 from 3. Didn't need to dime much in that game. 
Same thing against Washington on Wednesday. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, 13 from 22 from the field. Dropped 33 points. Led the Raptors throughout to the victory. And his ability to make clutch buckets is very important. It's not just looking at the box score. It's looking at the game state as well. And he's the kind of kind of pull the Raptors out of a hole when it's needed. When as before, even in very recent previous seasons, even the championship season, sometimes you'd look at him more of a liability in the situations, but he's become a leader. And what more can we say about Mr. OG Ananobi? Straight out of London, like this podcast, um, since that sort of uh, cup again, struggled early on, but 23 against the Mavericks. And since then, he's opened up his offensive game so much that if he doesn't score 20 in a game, it's a massive disappointment. His game was probably epitomized at Madison Square Garden, dropping 36, a career high. And he did this while going four from 12 from three. It's because he can now hit the fade. He can hit any sort of pull-up mid-ranger. He is just something else in terms of how far his offensive game has come. If you remember when he's drafted, so we knew he had the physical and defensive attributes and the IQ, but what he didn't have was that ability to score from anywhere. Now we're making no comparisons to Kawhi Leonard, but goddamn is this boy good and looking like his former mentor more and more one game at a time. And of course, these two leaders are inspiring. Who? Are they inspiring exactly? People like Scotty Barnes. Number four draft pick. I mean, he has outshone every single man in this draft. Probably apart from Evan Mobley. But again, it's only because he's having an absolute tearing start to the season. That game against Boston kick-started what will, well, what might be a rookie of the year season. And that is not something said lightly. There is something special about this guy. We look at his absolute all-round game. And this season, you might have expected him to play perhaps more of a Draymond role, such as uh, Josh Giddy uh, is doing at the minute. Less points, but contributing on the boards and with the playmaking. But instead, he's just stuffing that stat sheet every single game. Um, and again, like OG, if he's not scoring 20-plus a game, you're disappointed. But he's getting minutes, plenty of minutes, averaging 36 minutes a game. Uh, brilliant for his development. The only problem is, what's he going to do when Pascal Siakam comes back? But let's uh, let's talk a little, about in- little bit about injuries. Because in true Raptors fashion, and this comes from the culture of the franchise and the culture of the coach itself, it's really fallen into a one man down, another instantly fills a hole. A sort of whack-a-mole philosophy, as it were. Because when Barnes went down, and he'll be out for a few more games, Svi Mikhailuk, absolutely stepped up and is killing it at the moment i mean this guy could prove to be pick up free agent pickup of the season looking like an absolute steal right now and again he's being trusted he's getting those big big minutes uh from nick nurse in a deep side let's just look at the last couple of games against the knicks away 35 minutes 15 points five rebounds five assists a couple and a couple of steals he goes two for, he goes fifty percent from three, both against New York and Washington. He scores fifteen points against both. His defense is fantastic. Loads of times in those games. Well, specifically three times in those games. Um, there's a moment where he just tears the ball and runs down the other end of the floor uh, to dunk it. 
and we talked about Van Vliet and Game State. Those kind of plays can completely flip momentum on its head. Those kind of disrupting the half-court offense, disrupting that game state to grab the initiative. That's what Sfi's bringing, right? I mean, he's not just a three-point specialist. He has proven to be so, so much more. And I think we can say that as well about Ken Birch. He's been struggling with COVID to start the season. But, and I've seen some perhaps wistful comparisons to Mark Gasol. But let me tell you, he has been really, really doing well off the bench. Precious Achua, and I think we can combine these two themes, really. He's been struggling a little bit. He doesn't seem exactly to know what to do when he's got the ball uh, near the rim. Sometimes he blows his layups, blows his dunks, um, you know, commits silly turnovers. It's not great all the time to watch from him. But you've got to remember with Precious, he probably has been cited as the future starting center of this franchise. I think that's obviously why they did the trade. They did the trade for Goran Dragic. Dragic isn't even playing. They didn't do the trade for him. They did the Lowry trade and held out mainly so they could get Precious. They obviously see something in him. And we do as well. His rebounding numbers are great. And, you know, as we saw in when he did that massive poster against the Wizards, he can create some highlight plays. But while he is making those errors... You need a cool head like Ken Birch off the bench, you know, hitting those mid-range floaters, hitting those, you know, shots from eight feet, rebounding well, boxing out well, and just being an overall plus, really. Plus on the court whenever he comes on. Uh, that's such a useful, useful thing to have. Um, but the bench overall, I mean, if you look at it, it's mainly being led by a certain Delono Banton. Now, I haven't seen the number 47 draft pick, but Delano Banton, number 46, has, again, been an absolute revelation. Again, could look at being the steal of the draft if, of course, you discount Scotty and, and just because his position at number four. But while his stats don't show so much, the sort of energy he leads off on the bench is is something else. A six-foot-seven point guard, um, you know, his rebounding numbers... Quite seem quite similar to Van Vliet, but th there's something about this kid. You know, he's just 21 years of age. He's a Toronto native out of Rexdale. And they could well be settling into being one of those sort of specialist point guards. I saw a little joke after. Um, I mean, it was relating to Scotty Barnes after we initially drafted him. You know, if Simmons isn't coming to the Raptors, you want to develop your own Simmons. And rather Scotty Barnes, if he's Scotty Barnes is looking at Michael Jordan then you could say Banton's looking like Ben Simmons because very, very similar sort of thing. Not a fantastic shooter. Uh, he's only taken seven threes. Um, sorry, only taken six threes this entire time. Uh, he's only taken 26 shots throughout sort of the first nine games, throughout 84 minutes. So he's mainly doing it off, off the ball or, or on the playmaking end or assisting the assister. Uh, but keep an eye on this kid because, you know, if you need someone young, uh, strong to lead your bench unit, this is the guy. Last point. Let's look at the bench. There's some familiar figures not being seen. We've mentioned Dragic. Dragic, you don't need to play him in a season like this, especially if your boys are going 6-3 and three without Siakam and Scotty Barnes for a bit. You don't need to play a veteran like Dragic. He's not the future, and quite frankly, he's not the now. With all respect to him, we're just sort of waiting for the trade or the buyout. But Chris Boucher hasn't seen too much on the court um again as one of 
what he's considered to be literally he is one of the tallest players in this quite short roster uh, he's expected to be the specialist big man the rebounder um last year he was of course known as trebuchet um for his three-point shooting just really hasn't come off this yet he's getting some chances he's getting some minutes you know averaging about 15 minutes a game but he doesn't seem to be in that one or two spot the for uh being the big man he's sort of the spare man um and it's very very clear that the likes of ken birch have and precious have just are just miles ahead of him in nick nurse's eyes maybe it's just a little funk uh maybe he's still getting used to he's still learning of course i mean it's weird to say this about 28 year olds but yes he's still learning nba basketball but it's one to keep an eye on. I think uh, something player that most people are talking about is Malachi Flynn. So, of course, during sort of the Raptors rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it last year, he got a lot of minutes and he proved himself in those minutes. But in the whole of October, he got eight minutes, even against um, Washington, just the three. It's only really against New York. He cracked, cracked double digits, got 11 minutes there. Scored his first points. He's got three points the entire season. He's just not really working. And I mean, there's a difference here. I mean, Nick Nurse is clearly doing this for a reason. The Van Vliet, one, Van Vliet is playing massive minutes. He's playing somewhat 38, 40 minutes a game. You don't need a specialist point guard um, to come in to replace him for that often. And when they do, it's either Banton or, in some cases, it's Scotty Barnes who they're trying as as you know one of the big men point forwards as they like to say banton is clearly ahead of flynn why we don't know but what we do know is that a character like flynn you know a scrappy character it's only going to make him better there's no room for complacency here yeah you had a great campaign last year especially when the raptors are rebuilding but it doesn't mean you get a starting spot over banton who contributes something so unique you have to develop your own game to eclipse that Last player is Yuta Watanabe. Yep, we know he went to the Olympics, but I mean, he's hardly even on the the roster at the minute. So essentially, while it just may be time off after the Olympics, it's more likely that Savimi Kailuk has just been playing so well, there's been no need for Mr. Watanabe in the team. But we do know, like Flynn, he's the kind of character to scrap and respond extremely well to this. There's still elements of the game we saw last season that Watanabe needs to improve. And as long, the important thing to note is as long as this team is winning, there's not much room for error. Even when we look at Precious, he'll, he's getting his minutes preferably in low impact situations. You don't want someone like him closing out the game. You want Van Vliet, OG, Gary Trent, who we haven't mentioned, but we can. Um, and like even Birch, right? Cool heads closing out the game. Utah, Precious, Flynn, they still need to develop. They need to get those minutes, but they need to get it in the low intensity situations, especially while this team, and we're not jinxing it here, has a, has a big chance of rising in this tough, tough Eastern Conference. Now, as the roundup ends, we shall move on to the rest of the NBA. Varel going to discuss... The Chicago Bulls for us and um, I'll leave you to his knowledge thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time hello everyone I'm sure you just had a wonderful roundup from an even more wonderful host in uh, Mr Kamel Jaffa on the Toronto Raptors start to the season and I'm probably not incorrect in saying that it has 
uh, the start of the season has exceeded at least some fans' expectations. Uh, I certainly would have taken a 4-3 record uh, before the season started with uh, the various uncertainties that this team did have. But uh, for this section, actually, I was going to you know, go into a deep, deep dive analysis of you know, one or two particular teams like I have done in previous seasons. Uh, of course, uh, various teams uh, do require discussion at some point, I believe. The likes of you know, the Lakers, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Wizards, um, the 76ers, of course, the media have talked, to them, talked about them to, de- uh, to death. So don't really want to discuss that whole you know, Simmons and Embiid situation. But um, for good or for bad, there are teams that do require discussion. Let's quickly look at the Chicago Bulls because this is a team that um, did exceed my own personal expectations because I was expecting to be to be very good this year. I did say, I believe in last week's episode, that I thought that they could you know finish in the fourth or fifth seed position in the East. But I did think there were a couple of teams in the East who were definitively better than, uh, better than them. The likes of... Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, the Miami Heat, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and so I thought, yeah, um, they're not going to challenge those big boys. So I think, yeah, finishing around the 4-5 seed, is uh, it'd be good for this team, um, considering they are very well-rounded. But I think the reason that they've done so well, uh, you can look at you know how well DeRozan, Levine, Vucevic and Ball have meshed together, uh, almost a so-called big four. But uh, what's actually taken me by surprise is actually their depth past those guys, because... Uh, you've had um, Kobe White being injured since the start of the season. It looks like he's going to be coming back in the next month or so. You had Patrick Williams after the fifth game actually go down uh, with an injury as well. And he looks like he might be out until the end of the season. I think he had some, you know, some sort of medical issue in his left wrist. can't remember what it was exactly. But basically, even without those... Well, without Pat Williams, they've only been without him for two games. But, you know, the team doesn't look any different. And indeed, Javante Green, who's coming off the bench for him in that, you know, shooting forward power forward spot was, uh, you know, it can be argued he was playing just as well as him, if not, you know, outshining him at that, at that spot when he was coming off the bench. Um, so he looks like he'll slot in fairly, you know, without um, many issues, without many difficulties. And so the starting lineup uh, without Patrick Williams. Um, but, you know, you look at the likes of guys who, um, you know, uh, who have found, you know, more limited success on other teams, the likes of Derek Jones Jr., who, you know, he's provided that length coming off, uh, the bench for them um, who's had a couple of uh, big moments for this team um, the likes of Tony Brady who's been around forever he's had one or two like interesting games Dosunmu coming off the bench um, who was he drafted either this year or last year I'm not sure which but it's not actually a name that I was, I was aware of before the season started but I've seen him um, have one or two good games for them in the stretch as well um, and that goes without um, speaking about the best you know bench player for this team uh, which is Alex Caruso who who's just carried on his Lakers form and then some. Um, he's been absolutely phenomenal for them. A jack of all trades. Um, yeah, he did it at LA. The only weakness maybe you could have pointed to at LA, maybe his shooting wasn't uh, quite as good as what it could have been, but, you know, he was so good in all other areas. And now, you know, it's only the early season. And so we don't, it's a rather small sample size, but we have at the moment Caruso shooting 46% from three on two, three attempts per game and uh, 46% from the floor, which is, yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't think he's going to sustain that. But, you know, even if he finishes with like 43 and 35% splits, like that's more than what this team would have wanted from him in his role. So he's um, definitely outperforming what was expected of him. And, you know, you speak to the other parts of his game that were already fantastic in LA. He's he's averaging 2.5 steals a game this year. Um, four assists a game. You can definitely see his playmaking whenever he's on the floor. 
um yeah he's just been absolutely fantastic um there's nothing more to be said there i think um i will quickly discuss the big boys as well DeRozan, like some people have said he's, he's looking like a prime michael jordan at the moment with you know how great he's been looking at from the uh, mid-range as he always has done I mean, DeRozan really, I think, to an extra level while he was in San Antonio, he really developed his playmaking even more. And he was like the primary facilitator for that Spurs team. And he's kind of shown that here again, uh, four assists a game. But again, it's more so that, you know, this Bulls team is just playing such good team basketball because they have so many good uh, and intelligent passers of the ball. Goes past DeRozan, it's Levine, Vucevic, Lonzo Ball, Caruso. Like, these guys are just playing phenomenal basketball. They're actually all averaging around four assists a game, all five of those guys. Um, which you very rarely see, actually. Uh, like, for Lonzo Ball to be averaging only four assists with the kind of vision he has, it just shows, like, yeah, the playmaking comes from absolutely everywhere on this team. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, Levine and DeRozan both averaging 25 points a game, both, you know, even DeRozan, um, going back to him, he's been averaging 41% from three. So um, it's been an area he rarely, it seemed, worked on in off-seasons, and he um, really struggled with um you know, in past regular seasons, but uh, you know, I think for career average, he's he's still around like thirty percent, maybe even below that from the three point line. So, again, don't expect DeRozan to continue at forty one percent. But the freeze he has been taking is just when he's just been absolutely wide open in the corner at the top of the key. Um, so he's not been forcing anything from that distance. And indeed, there has been a couple of times where he has been open from the three point line, and he's taken a, drob- a couple of dribbles and decided to take the shot from the mid range where the mid range has been open. So there's still a little bit of reluctance there with the three ball, but. The important thing is he should just obviously take it when he is absolutely wide open. And for the most part, he has been doing that. And uh, as, as I've said, he's been knocking them down at a very, very high rate. So long may that continue.